Okay, we're back at it with the one and only the Bugler. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. gentlemen welcome to this episode of the western huntsman this is jim huntsman the host coming at you from the broken time studio right here in clark fork idaho and today i got uh, we're gonna switch gears because i'm sick of talking about anti-hunters and legislation and petitions and all this other shit going on out there that we're uh, we've, we've been talking a lot about which is important that we keep talking about it but uh every once in a while i gotta bring somebody on that uh you know i really like and his name's Dirk Durham. In fact, he was the first guest on this here podcast, and he's been on several times, and uh, he's probably my favorite guest. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Dirk Durham. How you doing, brother? Wow, wow, wow. That uh, intro gave me goosebumps. Me too, man. If there's the, me too. If there's the music or, you know, that that uh, that voice you, you've got, you know. Uh, I felt like I was getting ready to walk into the, the ring for WWE WrestleMania 22 all, all or I need, something. All I need is a crowd cheering <laughs> in the background, man. It's the whole Ooh, package. Yeah. It's the whole package, and I'm yeah. wear, I'm even wearing a tight T-shirt, so <laughs> look good, too. <laughs> well, yeah, after after the holidays, I think everything's kind of tight on me. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. I mean, you don't. that's why I don't have a video of this podcast. <laughs> um well, cool, man. I'm excited to have you on for this episode. It's uh, It's been a while, um, and it's been, you know, an interesting fall. It was an interesting fall for me, hunt-wise, and I want to talk about yours and kind of some of the plans coming up and, and uh, some of the calls that Phelps Game Calls is coming out with and, you know, whatever else we want to talk about. I don't care. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm all for it. The uh, Now, first of all, no, you did live in Boise last last time uh, I had you on the show. How's that going though? Yeah, um, yeah, it's good and bad. I mean, there's a lot of good things and there's some bad things about it. You know, um, good things about it. I'm, I'm close to my kids. Mm-hmm. My son's about 20 minutes away. He lives in a little little town 20 minutes away. And my daughter, she lives in Boise proper. Uh, I live in Meridian. I'm kind of right in the middle, so it's it's nice to have them close by. Um, and then all the amenities. I mean, if you want if you need something, you know, you're not, you don't have to order it online to get it, you know, living in yeah. rural America, like up at the cabin, having the cabin life, you just can't buy anything local, very techy. You know, there's just not a lot of stores that sell any kind of tech technical, you know, gear or anything. But, but here, um, if I need anything for a computer or, a, or sporting goods store stuff, it's just right down the road somewhere. So yeah. that's, that's been really nice. Um, there's options for food, you know, you want to go out and eat, eat out or something. Then there's options where, you know, the old gag and choke burger joint down the road <laughs> in rural America is about all you got, you know, and yeah, you know, yeah. I, I love a good greasy hamburger and rice, but dang, every now and then 
Chinese sounds good or Mexican food sounds good or something different, you know. Yeah, so, I do kind of miss that. That's where we're at. We don't we don't have a lot of options. Um, but that uh, did you ever try that Joe's Crab Shack? I did. I did. did yeah. Did, did I was my recommendation too heavy or or did it uh, pan out the way I said it would? I, I feel like it might have been a little heavy. Yeah, but it been. Uh, but I will say it's post COVID. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the places that I loved before COVID um, are really struggling now because, you know, the staffing issues and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's hard to provide a good service or, you know, maybe the, you know, the talented cooks and chefs they had before aren't there. And so they got new people trying to learn and, you know, you just, and it's not exactly the same anymore. So I kind of attribute it to that. That could be. I think. I think part of my issue with that one too is is when when I was stationed out in North Carolina, um, you know, it was coastal, and they put yeah. in. It was like when Joe's Crab Shack first came out, and it was oh, freaking yeah. awesome. And so I think I have that built up in my mind how it was on the coast, uh, you know, of North Carolina where the the seafood was a lot fresher, you know. Sure. And, and so then you compare it to a seafood place in in Boise. Is it Boise or Boise? I always get like balled out when I say it wrong. Well, yeah, I think if you say it with a Z, uh, Boise, then people are like, yeah, where's that slicker from? Like, he's not, hey, boy, ain't from around here. But uh, if you say a Boise, I think you're saying, saying it right, I think. But it's funny, depending on how I'm talking and how I'm saying it, I say it both ways. So um, I, I've been yelled at. And it's fine. I get yelled at all the time for different things. People take that shit personal, man. That like seriously, they, they, e- they email me. They'll, they'll, hey, you're saying Boise wrong. It's not Boise, and they're like, not uh, diplomatic about it. They're offended that I, I mispronounced it, and then I'm, I, I turn around and like explain how many times have you mispronounced or misspelled Coeur d'Alene, mofo? Because I've heard. Yeah. That. Or weipe. Weipe. Yeah. Yeah. Read that and pronounce it right. I mean, come on. (laughs) I always thought Uh, it was weppy. We wipe. We wipe. (laughs) (laughs) That was the big joke, and you know, uh, growing up in Weipe, and then went to high school in Orfino, and all the Orfino guys. There's a big rivalry between the towns, you know. Um, (laughs) They'd always say, "Say we we wipe, huh? We wipe when we pee, like (laughs) acting like." Uh, as a man, I'd have to sit down to pee or something. But, um, of course, I. Anytime it's funny, back then, anytime anybody thought they were going to get me, you know, I'm going to get him good with one of these jokes about his hometown. Well, the joke was on them because I'd already heard all the jokes yep. and a few more that they hadn't heard. So <laughs> within minutes, I had them on my side because they were laughing because I told them all the other jokes <laughs> they'd never even heard before. So it was perfect. It was perfect. That is perfect. Orofino. You had to go to a high school in Orofino? Yeah, they, yeah. Home of, home of the Maniacs. The Maniacs, huh? That's where you get which, it. Yeah, which is crazy. So here's a little bit of history for you. So Orfino Maniacs, that's their mascot. Right next door is a prison, is the state prison. Yep, yep. And right right next door to that is the Idaho State uh, mental, mental Hospital, yeah. if you were. So there's been a lot of people, you know, they think, oh, well, you stupid jerks at this school are insensitive to the, the, the poor folks in the mental hospital. <laughs> but that, you know, and, and there's been a lot of, you know, people try to say, hey, you guys got that's not right. It's not nice. You should uh, get rid of your mascot, the maniacs. You know, you guys are making fun of the poor, poor folks over at the hospital and which couldn't be further from the truth. 
actually, yeah. this goes back to like the 1930s to Orofino's very first basketball team. And um, the boys, boys basketball team, they traveled upriver to this little little town called Kamii. That's another one that always gets mispronounced, yep, Kamii. Yep. I, I call it. mispronounce it all the time. Oh, yeah, Kamaya or whatever. But anyhow, they went, these boy, our boys went up there. They rode by train up to Kamii to play their fir- with their first basketball team ever to play basketball. And they didn't even have um, uniforms. They showed up and, and they're, their jeans or whatever the whatever the whatever the style, the style of the, their style wool of the time pants. was you know buckskins i don't know <laughs> loin gloves with the but, brogans uh, yeah knickers i don't know what you you know <laughs> what what you would wear back then but anyhow uh they showed up and the the, the fine folks in Gamii were like Jeez, Louise, these guys play like a bunch of maniacs like they didn't like it was like rat ball they didn't even know the rules really <laughs> And they looked like maniacs and they played like maniacs. So they're like, yeah, what, you know, so later on they're like, well, what's your mascot? I'm like, well, we don't have one. And everybody's like, well, you guys play like a bunch of maniacs. So the moniker stuck. Yeah. So then they had, they had somebody um, draw up a, a, a picture of a mascot of a maniac. And it's this funny looking little, little guy with crazy hair and a, and a big head throwing a fit or whatever but um <laughs> anyway it's it's been you know the maniac since way back when you know Probably decades before, before the, the mental hospital, hospital. yeah 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 decade decades before the, the the mental hospital was ever there so um so you know you know uh respect to the the school district they've stuck to their guns and said we will not change it um they've you know several times over the years all the all the or over the years with all the politically correctness and yeah. different organizations come at them and try to get them to change it. And they, they stick to their guns. They're like, no, we're not changing it. It has nothing to do with that. And um, see you later. So that's been kind of cool. That, no, that's fantastic. I, I it, They need to stick to their guns with that kind of stuff. I have a I have a customer over in the Tri-Cities area. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Richland School District, right? And they uh, we, we've done a bunch of roofs for them for my, for my day job. And... Uh, the high school, their mascot is the bombers and oh, it's yeah. got like this little logo with like this nuclear bomb going off in the background because, right. you know, out there is a, I believe it's called Hanford where they yep. developed the nuclear weapons for world war two and ended world war two. And so they've had a, they've caught a bunch of flack saying that that's an insensitive mascot and promoting violence and all this stuff. Uh, right. but they've stuck to their guns because they've been the bombers for a long time, and that's that's their mascot. And so, shout out to them for for holding strong with that one because that state, uh, they're going to have a lot more you know opposition to people coming at them uh, than somewhere like Idaho would too. And so it's it's just it's sure. cool seeing them stick to their guns. And, and you know that that was a mascot back when everybody loved America. <laughs> so yeah, um, right? screw it, man, keep it. I love it. It's a yeah. lot better. My mascot, we were the beat diggers. How lame is that? Oh, so I mean, come on, beat diggers. Oh we man, the... so what? What did you guys have big pictures of beats on your jerseys or what? <laughs> well, our colors were maroon and gold or something like that. Okay. And uh, okay. yeah, it was because where our high school was, it used to be a bunch of beet farms. Uh, yeah. You know, there in in uh, in Utah, and so we were the beat diggers, and it was like this dude holding up this. Um, one of those, uh, God, what the hell are they called? Those farm tools you dig in the earth with, um, uh, kind of like the, like the Grim Reaper carries that thing around. <laughs> oh, a, 
a sigh or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, it was cool. Huh. And when they built the new school, they asked us to vote on whether or not we were going to change our mascot, and everybody voted to keep it the Beat Diggers because it had been that way for like 80-something years. Awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, yeah, I love tradition. I do too. Me too. It's important. It's important to pass that stuff Very. down. So It is. So man, uh we haven't we haven't talked much since uh since summertime, since you was yeah. when uh, we went on that quasi bear hunt we we didn't put a hell of a lot of effort into. <laughs> but we had fun. <laughs> yeah, that was um, fun. What uh I think what, I'm still scratching the mosquito bites we got. <laughs> God, no shit, dude. I had like a weird I don't know. I thought I had a cold or something, but it was like it was it was like allergies or something that had me down pretty bad during that that whole yeah. weekend and like the whole week after that, and I was suspicious. Man, maybe Dirk gave me COVID. Maybe he gave me the corona. Maybe. But uh, you never know. I don't know. I didn't test for it. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Um. What? Uh, tell me a little bit about what what went on this last fall for your hunting season specifically elk. Let's start with elk because I've been I've been kind of watching these videos that uh, you guys put out as Phelps. Uh, and I want to talk about them for a minute. I haven't gotten all the way through the, the whole series yet, but um, I'm getting there. So how'd, how'd season go for you? Oh, I got to hunt a lot. Um, the, the hunting the hunting was great. You know, the killing was not so great yeah. <laughs> for me. For me. Um, New Mexico, as always, you know, well, is for what I had the previous year, it was a tough hunt. Um, you know, like I said before, in the past different places, that, uh, you know, when people picture New Mexico elk hunting, you're like, oh, man, you picture the guys at Primo's or yeah. or the guy or, or Jackie Bushman or somebody, you know, one of them guys characters in New Mexico at some big, beautiful ranch and chasing big bulls and elk everywhere and just screams at screaming bugles under around every corner. And man, this this unit we've hunted the last couple of years is just not that. Um, I will say, you know, there were days we got into multiple bulls bugling, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and just for, for length, length of video sake, you know, we try to cut the video down to where you, you get to watch, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the more exciting parts of the day. But, but what you don't see is the rest of the day where there's lots of hiking and lots of no elk, lots <laughs> no, of no elk bugle. For, yeah. It's like, man, it, it, it's a tough hunt. So, um, what about you? I want to like bring up one of the scenes in the video is you had like split off from from Phelps and and kind of gone out on your own, and um, it it was really exciting for. I think it's because I get really excited about coyotes for some reason. I don't know why. I've always been this way though because I used to be like this prolific coyote hunter. That's that's that was my thing. That was my main thing, right? And right. so I still get I I still get super excited about them. Um, you're, you're hunting, you, you, you bugle and this, this coyote kind of opens up in front of you. It sounded like it was pretty close. Can't see it in the video from what I could tell, but then all of a sudden, like you're just surrounded by all these coyotes howling. Yeah. Like to me, that is what hunting's all about. And, and just that experience And there's people that go through their entire life that will never experience something like that. And to you, you're sitting there, this is going on, and it's like, you know, a cool thing or whatever, but then it's time to move on and go hunting. Um, what was that like? Just talk about like um, that, the, how that impacts you. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's funny because these, these elk, we'd kind of been 
putting the hunt on them, I hadn't been calling a lot. I'd been been pretty reserved because these elk have been really harassed a lot. So, and like you see, like like I said before, what you don't see is like all the miles traveled and stuff. And a lot of times, just the boring parts. But um, just getting into position and like figuring out where these elk are at, and then kind of getting up close as you can, and then and then kind of playing it from there. But so we chased these bulls the morning before, and then okay, well we got back in there in the evening. And there was this great big steep ravine where, I mean, if you're not careful, you could fall off into it and like break your neck really easy. It's probably 15 feet deep. So there's not a lot of really good places to cross that little ravine, kind of a little, used to be a creek bed that just washed out Mm -hmm. from all the flash floods down there over the years. And there was a couple places where the elk would cross. You could kind of see where they'd been crossing. So um, we kind of got staged up in that area. And then finally I heard the bull bugle. I'm like, okay, I know where he's at. So we got close and, and this bull was probably a hundred yards away. And I was just getting closer, closer, trying to, I was hoping to sneak up on him rather than call him in because he'd been so tricky. And we were getting pretty closed in. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to get any closer. And he kind of had bugled for a bit. So I thought, I'm going to test it. So I called and all those coyotes just lit up and about, you know, about jumped out of my skin just from the sheer surprise and how loud it was. It was yeah, they were close. Loud. They were yeah, close. they were like just they were probably the same distance as the bull. So mm-hmm. um, if I was looking forward, my right hand would point where the elk was at, and my left hand would, if I was pointing straight forward, my left hand would point where the coyotes were at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and those things took off just uh, yipping and kayaking and howling and stuff, and uh, it completely killed the vibe. Um, that bull did not talk again. And we only had probably 15, 20 minutes of good shooting light left anyway. Yeah. So I thought, all right, I'm going to get up close. I'm finally going to call this bull and he's going to come out. And I'm going to shoot him the last little bit of light here. And no, the coyotes kind of ruined it. And uh, I was a little frustrated, but I tried not to try not to show it. It was cool. But then again, I was like, damn coyotes. It kind of ruined it. So, um, <laughs> <What> <laughs> but it was kind of, kind of neat. What do you think the effect is on from coyotes, you know, and how the elk respond? Obviously, like, I'll give you an example. Last Sunday, uh, I took the girls out coyote hunting, right, just right here on the property, right? And we kind of walked back on the backside of the, which was a pain in the ass, man. I need to get some uh, snowshoes because the snow's so deep. Like, I'm walking up there, and... I'm sinking up to like past my knees. So it's like a going on a stair stepper on steroids or something. Oh yeah, man. I was wore out, but the girls weren't sinking. They weren't heavy enough to sink. Just, just, you know, my fatness. So, um, <laughs> we, anyway, we walk up around, uh, called in a coyote. Um, I didn't get that one. Uh, but I kind of walked up and over this hill and there's like this little bachelor group of, uh, elk and the, these bulls and they're still packing. There's two spikes, this uh, this little raghorn and, and a bigger one I couldn't quite get a pulse on what he was totally but it was it was super cool and they had a couple of cows with them um so the the, the point is is where those elk were and that where that coyote came out of this little chute I call it the chute uh they were kind of in the same area and so what's your take on like coyote heavy area if they're not yipping and, and uh, going nuts like they were in that video what what kind of effect do they you think they have on elk you know, I've seen quite a few coyotes in the same clear cut or field, you know, with elk and elk, they kind of eyeball them a little bit, but they're not really too concerned with a, with a coyote or two. 
Um, they're not really too freaked out about it, but I, I do think like in that situation where it was just quiet as could be and then things just cut loose, like it was Armageddon. Yeah. It was, hold on. Sorry, my phone was ringing. Oh, no worries. Um, but it was like the Armageddon of, of coyote yipping and, and kai and, and I think that, you know, would be enough to startle elk to where they kind of move off. You're like, yeah, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, t- I've, I've seen them, you know, be, see elk feeding and clear cuts and whatnot. And, and they didn't, they don't like spook off or anything, but yeah. I feel like, you know, if, if the coyote and, and the coyote didn't really seem to suit too interested in elk either, they just kind of, they're looking for mice or whatever in those situations. But I would imagine if they start messing with them or dogging them a little bit, they would, they'll might big old cow might run over and might run over and stomp it or they might just leave they might just take off it might act like a like a mule deer a a doe mule deer will kick the shit out of a coyote Uh, oh yeah they'll come at them it's crazy uh there's a there's a video actually i dr valerius geist pointed me in the direction of this video where it's uh it's also in his book but (laughs) these mule deer does basically surround this lone coyote and and go after it and stomp it it's pretty badass. Oh, wow. I'm gonna send it to you. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't personally, I don't think the the coyotes bother the elk uh, hardly at all, uh, with the exception of something like what, that situation you were in, where they just kind of exploded out of nowhere and made all that ruckus and probably made the bull nervous and wandered off. So then yeah. you guys had, uh, you had lampers show up, man. How was that? Yeah, well, I was a little jealous because, you know, I was hoping uh, the three of us would be able to hunt more together. Uh-huh. Um, but but Jason and Lampers, they kind of went off and did their thing, and then I went off and did my thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, But it, at night when we'd get back together, back at camp, then we'd sit around the tent and tell stories and, and uh, listen to Lampers talk and stuff. And He's he's like uh, one of the best people you might meet. He's just a just a good man, just a gracious fella, you know, uh, they'll about as far from being like uh, a bragger or <laughs> yeah, yeah. anybody I've ever known, you know, it's just like very humble, a very humble dude, uh, for, you know, for all the stuff he's accomplished. I mean, he's, he's killed a lot of big bulls, a lot of big bucks, uh, he's a very talented hunter, um, a lot of bears. A lot of bears and just woodsmanship and, and stuff that that guy, he's just, he's really good at, you know, at yeah. hunting and being an outdoorsman. So I, I respect him a lot. And, and <clears throat> if you were to tell him that, he'd be like, oh, no, he'd shake it off. Like he would never admit to being like good at anything. <laughs> well, and those are the so ones you so always, funny. Th- those are the, that's how it usually is too. You know, it's the, it's the quietest guy in the room kind of thing that, um, Gosh, he he is like when you watch his videos, or or you know whatever the content that's that's getting put out with him in it, he's just this humble dude that just is like accurate. He's one of those accurate dudes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to get him on the show. I've never had him on the show. I should I should probably figure that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, he, he's he's and the guy just eats so healthy, mm-hmm. um, and then has so much and has so much knowledge about why you should eat healthy uh, versus you know what's what's going on in the world today with our food and stuff i mean you can dig, go down a rabbit hole and that stuff with you that might be a really cool topic to talk about but you I know all so. the food he all the food he brings to elk hunt you know um 
he makes himself, you know, him and his wife, they have gardens and they, they grow their own food and, yeah. and, and he kills his own meat and, and they take all that and they freeze dry it and he brings it to camp and he, he makes his own damn kombucha and drinks that. And I mean, he's, <laughs> wow. he's, he's all about like, um, tip top body performance. Like he wants his body to perform uh-huh. really well every day and then not hurt. He said, he said he's in his, he's same age as me. Yeah. I'm 47. And he said he feels better today than he did when he was in his thirties and his thirties hunting. You know, that and, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. He said what he finally figured out was in his thirties and whatnot. He said he would, you know, he'd eat those shitty calories, eat a candy bar or a goodie or, you know, you'd, during hunting season, like, ah, oh, I'm going to eat whatever I want because I can burn it off. But he said he'd hunt a lot, you know, do a lot of these severe hunts, you know, severe backcountry hunts. And he'd, he'd come back and he'd just be sore as hell for quite a while. He's like, you know, it was hard to recover. But he said when he quit eating like that and started eating good, nutritious, anti-inflammatory, gave up sugar and all that other stuff, he's like, I don't, he's like, I can hunt as hard as I want and I'm not sore anymore because I don't have all that inflammation in my body. Okay, I, I probably should heed some of that advice because I, I'm like, st- I was telling you that I, we went hunting in the, all that deep snow the other day. That was like yeah. three, three days ago, and I'm still feeling mm-hmm. it. I'm still, fe- I'm oh, like yeah. sore. So there's yeah. definitely got to be something to it. Well, I know personally, you know, for the last, I don't know, five to eight years, and probably the last eight years or so, I've really tried to change what I put in my in my backpack every day to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I used to eat the bullshit, you know, the, the candy bars and the gummy worms and the, uh, <laughs> Damn, that sucks. I the, love gummy the, worms, man. The sweet, the sweet and salty <laughs> nut bars and yep, yep. all the stuff that tastes, that tastes really good. Um, you know, you get those, you get a little boost from sugar, but then man, I would just get, I'd get these, I'd, I'd start bonking. I start losing energy mm-hmm. uh, when it come off that sugar high and then I'd really feel like crap and then I could barely go. Um, so when I started eating, better, better sugars, you know, like I eat, I eat a lot of dry fr- dried fruit, um, eating like almonds and nuts and, and seeds and, and meats and stuff. I try to eat that kind of stuff and stuff with a lot of fat and a lot of, a lot of protein, a lot of good calories. Man, I feel so much better. So what, um, what about like just a trail mix? You know, like you can get the trail mix at the gas station with it's got like a you know some nuts and raisins and maybe even those little M and M's in them or whatever. That's usually what I go with. But I don't I don't really know because I haven't paid a lot of attention to the nutritional side of it. Other than I know I don't want to be, you know, eat like you said, putting a bunch of sugar like a Snickers bar. Snickers used to be my go-to thing, and uh, but fuck, I'd have that that what what you're talking about where you'd get this sugar high and then all of a sudden you just want to zonk out. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, at one time I used to, eat, I love that trail mix like you're talking, but uh-huh. I can't, well, and it's, it's funny too. You get, you, you hunt a lot and you eat a lot of different things. And, and I, I've eaten so damn much trail mix in my life. I can't, I can't even eat it. I mean, I literally, I'll take a handful of it and try to eat it and I'll gag. I, I can't eat that anymore. Yeah. Um, protein bars, same thing. I cannot eat. I cannot oh, I hate physically. Bars. I physically can't choke them down. I'll try to buy the ones that taste really good and they're full of bullshit or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to, I try to find some that like, that I can just eat and I can't really choke them down without gagging literally. So I try to like, okay, I just 
I got to find stuff that I can eat because I want to keep my cal calories up so I can keep hiking. But man, it's tough if you there. I did find some bars. I, I found a Winco. They're called a backcountry bar, and they've got all sorts of this crazy good stuff, bird, bird seeds and you name it, all the good stuff, pumpkin seeds, all this weird stuff. And they're super like a lot of natural stuff in them anyway. They're, and they're good. They taste good. I they like taste them. pretty good. They're not like, yeah, that's one of the issues. They, like, you'll find these good ones, but it tastes like you're eating, you know, sawdust wafer board or something that you bought at home Depot. <laughs> tastes like somebody's I, like some of those, uh, protein bars. I'm like, that tastes like somebody poured a monster energy drink into potting soil and they <laughs> yeah, made a bar out of it. Seriously. That's what they taste like to me. I hate those. Yeah, things, seriously. But, I should be. But, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But anyway, I haven't I said how much this year. I don't know. I might have ruined myself on those things too. I don't know if I can eat because about the last four or five of my eight, I was gagging a little bit trying to eat them and get them down. So I don't know. I hope I didn't ruin it. <laughs> I hope not, man. Well, just take a break by, by you know, turkey, spring bear, whatever. Hit them up yeah. again and see how, how it feels. But I should I, – I like that idea. I'm going to get – I'm going to try to reach out to Lampers, see if I can get them on and talk about that exact thing because I think what would be good about that is I'm so dumb on that end of the spectrum, and he's mm -hmm. so, you know, seasoned and smart with it that I, I, I feel like I could – get the right information for that would help a lot more people than somebody that's already on that page, you know? So yeah. I might try it. We had so many enlightening talks about just yeah. men's health, men's health stuff that I'm like you, I'm like, yeah, I don't know nothing about it. And he starts talking about this stuff and, and, uh, and pretty soon it's like, wow, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. He's like, mm. there's some really, some really heavy information. Us guys, especially us guys that are starting to age a little bit, you know? Um, I feel like once you hit 30, you know, you're, you're, you got some hills to climb and mm -hmm, <laughs> to stay, sure. to stay, you know, feeling, feeling good, uh, especially when you're forties and, and, and on up fifties. So uh, there's a lot of men's health stuff that I don't think gets talked about enough. Um, it's, and it's not a sexy subject at all. It's like, and you know how us guys are, it's like, oh, I'm a man. I don't need to yeah, talk about I'm a, Whatever. That's, I'm having a cheeseburger. Yeah, I'm strong. I'm, you know, I don't need to talk about that, but yeah. um, I, I feel like man, there's a lot of really good information um, that he had that we talked about. We had some really good talks. And, and then the bad part, too, is really jealous because him and Jason, you know, when they're sitting there glassing or you have some downtime, during that, well, they're talking about all that stuff, too. So then we they come back to camp and Jason be like, hey, Lampers, tell them about this or tell them about that. So we get we get kind of like the Cliff Notes version. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, yeah, but yeah, you need to get him on. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I think that that'd be awesome. Um, because I that's what I've noticed as you know I'm in my 40s now and it's like, yeah, I, I'm still I'm I, I could still do the whole mountain goat thing. Like I can I can truck it through the mountains and and I'm okay. But I noticed that I do. I am a lot slower than I used to be. Like I, I went with a couple of buddies uh, to help them pack out a bowl this year. Yeah. Those dudes were like trucking through the woods. It was like I, I couldn't keep up with them, both in and out with the weight. And I took one of the back quarters, and and these dudes are acting like it's nothing. And it's not like they look all athletic or well, one of them does. Uh, the just you probably know him, Justin Webb. He was on that one uh, from F4WM. Oh, yeah. That yeah. dude, he's older than me, and he's in much better shape than I am. And it was like nothing for him walking a park. But I'm dying, and I, I thought I was in pretty good shape. 
And then for like two days after that, I'm, you know, my body hurts. And that's what I want to get rid of. Like I used to have crazy stamina and could just, you know, power through it. And I, I think that's the part of the issue getting older. Um, I just, you think you're still invincible kind of thing like you do in your 20s, but you're not. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And a lot of it has to do with what you eat and, yeah. you know, how you use your body outside of hunting season and, and, and what you do to prepare for it. And, and I'm not very good at that kind of stuff. And I want to get better for sure. Well, on that video series where we're hunting in New Mexico, I make a little wisecrack, a little reference in there. I said, I said, ah, maybe that, that bull has low T, right? Low <laughs> testosterone. <Yeah. laughs> well, that, which you don't get to see that part of the conversation in the tent, but every night, you know, we'd listen to Lampers talk about men's health and he's like, you know, talking about low T and that's like a real, a real thing, you know, let the testosterone in the average American male you know, as a national average, and it's somewhere in between three and 400. Um, and he's like, it should be like a thousand. Oh, wow. Really? And if you go to a normal doctor for a checkup and you get all your blood work done, um, they'll like, you know, they'll look at your markers and they're like, yeah, you know, you're, you have your, your, your testosterone numbers are at the national average, which is three to 400. But from the point of view of all these hormonal um, or these hormone expert doctors who see this and study this, they're like, um, the national average is super low, like 75% or more of the nation has low testosterone. Hmm. A lot of it is environmental or what we put into our bodies, what we eat, drink, you know, IPA beers or, you know, all the, all the bullshit we eat um, and all the contaminated food supply. So, and I can't even, I can't even, speak very intelligently about it. These are just kind of some of the, the things I picked up from what he told us, but, um, yeah, yeah. That, some of the things that we experience as we're in our forties and like, you know, mood swings, grumpy, no energy, uh, you don't recover well from physical activity, you know, joint stiffness, all these things that like a lot of us are like, you know, that sounds like me. Like you should really get your numbers checked out and see, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that are not performing like they should, you know, with, yeah, yeah. with, with the hormonal imbalances and, and there's things they can do to, to fix, help fix that. But anyway, that was, that was a, a big takeaway from, from that hunt. Well, I <laughs> had nothing to do with hunting. <laughs> no, I had everything. The bull had low T and you the bull had no low T. <laughs> I need to find a bull with low T. All mine had fibromyalgia instead oh. oh and all you <laughs> listeners out there that are in your 20s that are rolling your eyes thinking this isn't going to apply to you it does it does apply to you so pay attention this this stuff is important because you're in your 20s now and i'm telling you it's like you blink a few times and all of a sudden you're 40 it's crazy so make the yeah. most out of every season by the way um yeah. anyway i won't go on down that soapbox um <laughs> So how did how did New Mexico I without ruining the video series um because I I kind of generally know how your season went uh just because I I listened to you on uh, Dan Staten's podcast over on Elk Shape and um, yeah. and so I'm with Dan it made me feel better your results made my results feel like I'm you know uh, not such a terrible hunter because your results are usually the kind that make me look like I don't know what the f I'm doing. So um, <laughs> I like that concept. But uh, t anyway, wrap up uh, 
New Mexico, kind of how that went down. Um, didn't Lampers? He he did pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, he killed a, he killed a bull on the last day on the last light last fifteen minutes of light on the last day. Um, you know, I passed up some bulls. I passed up shots on three different bulls mm-hmm. um, because I I got greedy. I wanted a six points no. and and I. I had some encounters with some, some big bulls for the area. You know, they, they were monster bulls for that area, but, um, what, what do you like, mean? Like what, what is a monster bull in, in, uh, in New Mexico in your mind? Uh, for well, that in, area. That, in that area, you know, these bulls wouldn't score, you know, they're not going to be your, your quintessential New Mexico bull. You would see on TV. That's three eighty or three seventy. you know, they, sure. these bulls, you know, they would probably be lucky to score three, 30 maybe. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But so the one, this one, yeah, but this one old monster bull, he was just a giant body, just a super old bull. He had a bugle that just, it's, he didn't even have a high pitch to his bugle hardly. He just, just had this growly, raspy, wheezy type bugle. And then when he'd grunt, he'd almost do like these raspy grunts. Like <laughs> this is weird, weird to explain, but, but uh, I came around to, I came around a, a little tree. I, I don't know. It's one of those little pinions or juniper trees or whatever it was. I popped around this because I'd been hearing him growl. So I didn't bugle. I just climbed this hill trying to get close before I called to him. And uh, I heard him. I'm like, okay, he's probably like a hundred yards. So I stepped around this tree and I look up and there he was at five yards with his head down feeding. And he makes this, he makes a bugle. As soon as I see him, he bugles, he, he bugles with his head down and really? it was super, and it was super quiet. And you can hear it on the video. It's just really quiet. Just, uh, just kind of a raspy. It's not like an old man clearing his throat or something. And he's, he's but five yards from you. He's five yards facing with his head down feeding. And I couldn't see his eyes. I'm like, Oh yeah. So I grab an arrow and I knock it. And as I knock it, knock my arrow, <laughs> Oh, rookie mistake. I put my, I put my uh, arrow through the arrow rest and it kind of, the little, there's a little flipper. It's a contained uh, arrow rest by uh, Hamsky and there's a little rubber thing in there and it had just got, has to go through that to, to kind of keep it inside the containment. Uh-huh. Well, it kind of went through and then it went real quick and then it hit my riser and made a little clink. Oh. And when it clinked, he looked up and looked at me and uh, he took off. Were you, uh, but, so, it clinks when you dr- when you draw back. No, no, I hadn't even got to draw back. It gotcha. just shot it through okay. the, the arrow through the in on the arrow rest, and it made a little clink and he took off. But oh, man. but but you know from a, a a score like measurement like all inclusive score he wouldn't be real impressive. But what was impressive is he was just weird. His uh, his rack was probably you know he probably had 13, 14 inch bases. Mm-hmm you know, right at the base of his antlers, you know, around the burr. So it's just massive. It's all get out, but it held mass, you know, it held that huge baseball mass all the way up, baseball bat type mass all the way up, uh, his beams and his, his eye guards were like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, there were probably, one of them was probably 27 inches long. One might've been even 30 inches long. One had this big, it, as soon as it came out of the, the main beam, it, it dropped and made a big fish hook looking shape, like literally like dropped straight down and then came straight back up in a big fish hook. And, uh-huh. um, 
the other the one right next to it it kind of went out and dro- dropped straight down and then kind of whoopie dude back up just a little bit i mean all of his brow tines were just ridiculous um <laughs> that's and awesome. on one yeah, yeah on one side he had the, just a giant five and then on the other side he had seven points but oh, wow after the fourth that is a point funky bull man yeah, it was super funky. And then after the fourth point, it, it kind of was stunted. It didn't, it didn't, he had just little short points. They were probably, you know, six, six inches long, you know, these little short points yeah. to make him a seven. But, uh, yeah, just a weird, just a weird looking rack. But dude, he was the monarch of the mountain. He had all the cows in the area. Um, the first day we got on him, then, uh, he only had three cows. And there was a, just a ruckus of melee. We see bulls fighting. Um, we had, we got into two or three different bullfights that, that day of, of seeing bulls fighting and then, uh, everything kind of died down. The next day we, when we found him, he had eight cows with him. Um, <laughs> so he, oh. he, and which was weird cause we hadn't started to see any cows at all. I don't know where these cows came from, but, but, uh, he, he'd added to his harem a bit, but man, he was tricky. We'd follow him up the hill and, and then he would disappear and I don't know where he disappeared to. I, we hiked every square inch of that place. We followed tracks and hiked into different little pockets and canyons, 360 degrees of this, this mountain he liked to live on. And we never could find out where he was bedding during the day and laying up. Um, and then, or where he'd come out at night. We never could find him at nighttime. So wow. it was just super weird and frustrating. But, um, yeah. So I got, I got pretty held up on, I want to shoot that bull. And, um, yeah, it just never did come to didn't come pan to out. Yeah, no, but but I was super happy that to have the opportunity to, to see an old bull that, that that sounded like that. Um, well, get that's, that. That's what it's all about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. About. Yeah, I had a similar circumstance. I, I got hung up on on a bull too. Um, that it, it was it was there last year too. Uh, it's the same bull, uh, and it's it's the one I've talked about in the past where my. <laughs> Where you think you made a rookie mistake? I I drew back and got my uh, my bowstring caught up in my camera on my shoulder, uh, oh, the God. little my little shoulder camera. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I I was pretty hung up on him. I went after him. I I spent like a week chasing this bull, and he's just a smart sucker. He had a drop tine on his on his left side. Oh wow! Um, and he'd he'd hang out in these real thick ass. Uh, alder brush this you, you know oh, yeah. like, the kind that you just like you can't penetrate without him knowing and no and it's like hell on earth and if you did is. penetrate it you could you, there's no shot exactly and that's that's what happened when when i did penetrate it and i i called him in and i mean he, he that, that sucker came into 20 feet i mean he was he was uh he was super close uh, and, but as I traveled through the alder brush, it, it pushed that camera down so when i drew my bow back to uh to hit him it, it I was I was tangled. I was totally tangled in it, and so. Oh man. But yeah, he gave me the he gave me the run around for a week straight. Finally, I gave up on him and moved to a different unit. <laughs> so I'm like, Screw uh, this Halder brush, man! Yeah. I'm leaving. And uh, so yeah, it was that's frustrating. It's cool though. It, it was a cool experience. The whole thing was cool. I, I actually learned a lot in that week chasing that particular bull. He had all the cows in the area too. Oh yeah. Um, they and they were stupid cows. Like they, they just would let you walk right up to them. It was crazy. Wow. Scree gear. Have you guys checked it out yet? Scree is extreme mountain gear. The high-performance hunting attire, scientifically tested, backed by a great company. It's my go-to camo, and of all the discussion we have about all this uh, 
infighting amongst hunters about what kind of gear they choose. It's okay to have a favorite, as long as we're not fighting about it. And my favorite and my proven gear is Scree. Scree is spelled S-K-R-E. It's kind of a play on the word from Scree rock found at the bottom of a cliff face or something like that. And they changed the name. And Scree gear is a complete layering system for all terrain and conditions. Gear designed to adapt to the weather. It's rugged gear, and it's all backed by a lifetime warranty. One of the things I really like about Scree is their VIP sizing and exchange program. Order the wrong size pants, they don't fit right, send them back. They'll send you another pair. It's all on Scree's dime. Guys, it's a great company. Check them out at ScreeGear.com and use the promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Hoffman Boots is another show favorite right here at the Western Huntsman. There's lots of good boots out there. Uh, there's a lot of bad boots out there too, but Hoffman is a proven proven system that I've been using for a few years. Actually, I've been using them for close to a decade now. And I love the company. I love the story of the company. It's like a family of shoemakers. And it's just a great North Idaho story. It's a great American story. They make a great boot without breaking the bank. Check it out at hoffmanboots.com and use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Don't forget, Phelps Game Calls is my go-to call company. You guys know it. I've been using Phelps for a long time. They're the oldest sponsor on this show. I'd say the flagship line of calls that they have is definitely geared towards elk. And what a great job that they do. But don't forget that Phelps Game Calls also has a full line of like waterfowl calls, predator calls. There's things that you can check out on the Phelps website that might surprise you. To include something that is coming up quick for us hunters, which is spring turkey. And I don't know how many of you are into spring turkey hunting, but man, is it a ball. It's a riot. you got to check it out. I love the black bat from Phelps Game Calls. It works very well for me. It's a great little read. And try out the uh, blacktail in distress call uh, when you're hunting bears. I'd love to hear if somebody calls one in that way. I've tried it a few times with, with no luck yet, but the you know we got a whole new season coming up, and it's coming quick, and I'm going to try it again. So check out phelpsgamecalls.com. Use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. If you check out the westernhuntsman.com, you are going to find anything from T-shirts to Tacticam gear and all of that stuff a portion of those proceeds is going to go towards conservation and fighting against the anti-hunting movement. Plus, you'll be sporting a cool t-shirt that says a Western Huntsman. And now I'm not the greatest t-shirt designer in the world, but I do have a friend that is. And he helped me put together a couple of really cool t-shirts on there. They're up now at the westernhuntsman.com and you could check it out. And guys, it, it supports the show. It helps me pay for all this equipment to get these shows out there. And to top it off, we're going to help fight against the anti-hunting movement. And there's a lot of new information and, and big announcements coming up regarding that from the Western Huntsman. So check it out at thewesternhuntsman.com and get you a t-shirt or get you some Tacticam gear. I'd really appreciate it. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. Where'd you go after New Mexico? Uh, came home, reloaded. Um, hunted a little bit the end of um, September here in Idaho, finished off Idaho and then went to Montana for, um, a few days. Went, I think, like I think that we got home week. on the, yeah, I think we come on up home on the 10th or 12th of, of October from Montana. Are you, you guys, uh, are you planning to go back to New Mexico? Um, no, 
no <laughs> no <laughs> I, I'll, I'll i'll never go to i don't think i'll ever go to that unit again mm-hmm. um on that hunt because the problem is it's the the 15th through the 24th right and that eats into a lot of that's like my favorite like the 20th through the end of the month is my favorite time to hunt idaho or mm-hmm. a lot of other places so i don't want to burn up that time to hunt that particular unit um, in, in New Mexico. Now, someday, maybe a different unit down there. I, I'd try, try something different, maybe a different sure. date. There's a, they have an early season that's like the 1st to the 14th or something, which I might try someday But um, if I'm lucky enough to do that. But yeah. um, I'm going to avoid New Mexico and and kind of focus on, you know, the place. I, I really didn't like the countryside in New Mexico. It's hot, dry, arid country everything's prickly and pokey and it's hard to like not get picked off because just the, the shape of the trees, you got all those junipers and pinions, you know, they're real bushy at, at waist and above hut level, yeah. but below your waist, they can see underneath and see your feet. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, yeah. cause I, cause I was watching that night for me, I would feel like a fish out of water. I'm used to all this cover and brush in, in North Idaho where, you know, you can, you can really screen your movement. But there, it's like, man, the, the elk could see you from several hundred yards away. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had to be really careful to use, uh, you know, terrain features to make sure you, you get close behind a ridge or something and then, and then ease your way over um, so you don't get seen. It's just, yeah, it was really tricky. Um, so I'm, I, like, I like pine country. I like hunting pine tree country, you know, mm-hmm. Idaho, Montana, Wyoming type of place, so. Um, yeah. we'll see, we'll see what happens in the next for, so for 2022, I'm, I'm still wheeling and dealing, figuring out what I'm going to do, you know, whether it's, um, of Idaho, of course, I'll hunt, you know, sure. you know, it, it's, I, in Idaho, it's not the greatest state in the union by any shape or, or form of, for hunting, but it's home. There's nostalgia. It's, I love those, those woods. It's, it's, it's fun for me to hunt. I like, I like those places. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue to hunt there's always Idaho, but. there's always that home court advantage with with Idaho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was kicking around going to Wyoming this coming year, but or 2022, but I, I think I'm gonna hold off another year. Um, what like if you so you're Idahoan, if you had a choice, well I shouldn't ask that on the air. That that gives away too much information. I'll I'll ask it in this way. Would you would you rather go to Wyoming? Or would you rather go to Montana to hunt elk? Mm, I've I haven't had a lot of luck in Montana. I've killed one bull there out of three different trips. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would I like Wyoming a lot, but um, and I've had good luck there. Yeah. But I've also I've also come home with my hat in my hand a few times too. So you know it's it's elk hunting. You know it's never guaranteed, and, and uh, but I, I feel like both states have a lot of, a lot to offer, you know, and, and, and different things to offer. Yeah. Um, but it, it's pretty hard to be, beat either one. I mean, as far as like numbers of elk and beauty of country, um, it's a different, both of them are a different kind of pretty, just like Idaho. It's a different kind of pretty, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Very, di- very distinct type of countryside. What about Colorado? Have you hunted Colorado? Yeah. One time. You know, they've got they've got more. They boast a, a bigger population of elk than any other um, any other state in the country. Mm-hmm. But uh, they also probably have more hunters than any other state in the country. Um, when totally. I, when, I, 
when I went hunting there with my buddies, born and raised outdoors, um, I counted over a hundred pickups between where we left the paved road. Yeah. Yeah, You told me about that once. Yeah. And where we parked at the trailhead, you know, there was right around the trailhead, there was like 37 pickups parked. (laughs) That's nuts, man. How do people get away from people? I, I know people do. They get they get away from the hunters there, but I, I don't know how. It's big well, the country. trouble, the the problem. Well, the problem with Colorado is they're you know they have all these wildernesses, but their wildernesses are small. They're not like the ones you see in in Idaho. You know they don't have a wilderness like the Frank Church or the sure. Selway. They've got these wildernesses. You could walk, you could walk from one end of, one side of it to the other. Let's say go east and west. You could walk through it in one day. Mm, okay, of, yeah. of, of, of hard hiking so you're not you go you go oh, i'm gonna go right to the middle of the, of the wilderness cool well you probably got some people that came in from the other side <laughs> whichever yeah. side you came in from there's <laughs> other people you. come from the other side and then another downfall of colorado is you got it's you know outdoor recreation and hiking is so popular where there's you got all your day hikers and through hikers and, and people that are just backpackers. They love to be out there. Um, so that adds another dynamic and just another, you know, more human intrusion. So it's really hard to get away from people. Um, if you're going to travel trail systems, um, where we found success in Colorado, uh, we were in some of the gnarliest, hard to get to country we could find. And that's, and there were, there were bulls in there. Yeah. Um, without, without but, trails. Yeah. Yeah, but on the flip side, we we called in one bull um, that was we were within earshot of camp. We heard four wheelers going by. Oh, so, really? <laughs> and and the elk moved around there a lot. So I mean, you just never know where you run into them. But the thing about it is um, the close to camp stuff. There, there was people everywhere. I mean, we see we call in people every day. Yeah. But once once we got back into that really nasty, nasty, gnarly place, it took a lot of effort. Um, we didn't see anybody. We didn't see a soul. So that's that's really what I was looking for. I was having a conversation last night, and a couple things that you just said just kind of reminded me of it. And I, it'd be interesting to get your take on it. When on the like discussion topic of hunting etiquette, not yeah. not ethics, the etiquette, like how yeah. you treat other hunters and and how you react. What Give a give me a sense of what that's been like over the like how it's changed or or the last year or I'm sorry the last like five years if you've noticed a big difference in the way hunters you know go about the etiquette thing um, and what you've ran into and if it's worse in one state over another state kind of thing does that make sense Yeah yeah well I've seen you know I've been you know blessed with the opportunity to hunt my life you know way more than most people have, you know, just from the time I spent as a kid, you know, and everybody else was playing football. I was hunting, I was deer hunting, elk hunting, whatever. Mm. So I've spent a ton of time in the field. I've, I've interacted with a lot of people and, you know, in the eighties, there were people doing the wrong thing, you know, as far as etiquette, you know, you'd, you'd have a bull bugle and, and you would hear somebody else start coming in on, you know, you'd have that same issue in the eighties. Um, you get to the, the parking spot and you're getting waiting for the first light before you hike down the trail or whatever. Um, yeah, the guys would pull up and park and walk right past you. Yeah. And, you know, um, which, you know, it's public land. It's a free country by all rights, but you know, 
it's the etiquette part. So if I pull up to a trailhead and I see somebody else there, it's not like, you know, gigantic country where, you know, you're going to walk down the trail a half a mile and then split off and go for miles in a different direction. You know, that's a different story. If it, if it's a trail that, you know, it's smaller country, you know, where one person's going to hunt it out in a day, I pull up to a place like that. There's somebody else there. Well, I move on. I go to the next spot. Uh, if I, you know, that, that's on me. I should have, if I wanted to hunt there, I guess I should have been there earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to crowd in there or maybe I'll pull in and have a conversation like, Hey man, what's your plan? Are you going to hunt in here today? Sometimes people are like, no, I've just, I just camped here. It's a good place to pull over and take a nap or whatever. So having just good kind of conversation with people is nice. Just, you know, feeling them out and what are they going to do? Okay. I don't want to interrupt your hunt or whatever. Um, I feel like, that's always been around. I feel like in yeah. the last, you know, five, five, ten years, you know, it's probably gotten a little worse. But I feel like there's a lot of new hunters, a lot of new Western hunters. They say the hunter numbers are down nationwide, but I feel like Western hunting is very popular and got in on the rise of hunters. Well, in September, and, archery elk hunting is way up. Right. In yeah, I opinion. think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, everybody loves to do it. Yep. You do it once and you're hooked. And I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they learn, you know, everything they can as quick as they can. But sometimes I think maybe people don't know or understand like some of the etiquette things they should do, you know, you know, um, oh, there's a guy walking down this trail I come up on. Maybe I should ask him where he's going and I'll just go the other way, you know, work together. Don't work don't work against each other. Just, you know, figure out a, a way uh, to do the right thing. And, and I feel like some people don't do that. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Because um, I, I ran into a lot of issues in North Idaho last year, this this last season with just the etiquette thing and, you know, people hearing elk bugle, you know, interactions going on way off the road and them sitting on the road trying to get involved in it, you know, by calling the bull to the road kind of thing. And um, anyway, I, we don't need to go to I've, – I've spent a lot of time talking about that kind of stuff, so I just I just kind of wanted to get your take on it. But um, And I, I will say this too, Jim, is um, I feel like it's, it's kind of area-specific on what if confrontations or overcrowding-type conditions. Let's say – it's uh, it's like a, a roadless kind of area, and there's quite a few people hunting and backpacking. A lot of times, the people you meet there, you know, they're like, if you, well, you do, you you pay attention to social media right now, and everybody in Idaho says them, them damn out of staters, you know, everybody's mad yeah. at the non-residents coming in. But, um, and in certain areas, you know, I think, you know, I've met a lot of really great people from out of state, you know, other states, you know, Washington oh, yeah. and and wherever, you know, there's a lot of nice people. Um, and I think in those areas that, that, that you have to invest more boot leather and more effort to hunt, I feel like you find the better people, the nicer people. And I feel like if you're hunting the roaded stuff where people are riding ATVs everywhere and their pickups everywhere, and they're just not, they don't have to use as much boot leather. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot more of the etiquette questionability on people's actions. Um, maybe they don't know, maybe they don't care. You know, they're like, I'm going to ride my damn four wheeler everywhere I want. Who are you to tell me I can't, yeah, you know, but, yeah. um, <laughs> it seems like that's where I've had more issues with people doing their etiquettes. Not very good is in the areas that are more accessible, easier, easier country to hunt versus the rough, tougher stuff. If you usually see somebody there 
they're a pretty good person. You know, they're, yeah. they're somebody you'd want to share a campfire with. That's uh that's an interesting take on, it. I never, I never thought about it that way, but I, you're, you're probably exactly right. Um, because uh, where I was having issues was one of those, you know, road heavy kind of units where it, it was a lot of easy access. Uh, it, especially if you stayed on the road on a four-wheeler. Uh, now, dropping down into some of these hell holes is different, and that's what a lot of them were not doing. Uh, but if you did drop down into one of those hell holes, uh, and, and there was another hunter down there, it was usually you know somebody pretty similar to your own method. So, yeah, that's a yeah. great point, dude. Hmm, cool. Uh, what? Let's let's kind of shift gears here and talk some uh, some Phelps for a minute. Uh, and I, I kind of want to. We were talking before I hit. Re- I should have recorded all that, but I didn't. So um, let's talk about some new calls Phelps are coming out with. With uh, well, actually, before we hit that, t- talk to me about uh, the metal bugle tube and and how did you use that metal one? I blew on it a little bit this fall. You know, it's for me. It's hard to my old reliable. I I'm a little bit um, uh, superstitious, if you will. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> So I hate to like, I hate change. I hate to like mix things up a lot. Some people love, you know, changing and doing different things. So I use old reliable a lot this year. I'm the old renegade. The renegade, Mostly. Yeah, yeah 99.9% of the time. But uh, Phelps, he used the metal beagle tube exclusively this year. And uh, he loved it. He's, he loved it. And, and then I, I look, yeah, he loved it. And I listened to, you know, him bugle on tape. Or on video, and then him and I hunted for a couple of days together, and it sounds good. It's got a lot of natural tones to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't have the deep thumping resonance that the big tube does, but if you get 50 to 100 yards away, it, you can't. It's not can't that tell. big a. You can't tell. You're not going to be like, oh, that's a game changer. No, it. I mean, it. It sounds good from 50 to 100 yards away, as far as like that deep bass thump. Um. So it doesn't sound like you're really missing out on anything was what I'm saying. Um, but he, he loved it. And, uh, the, the big winner on that tube is the easy bugler mouthpiece. Yeah. Um, for folks who can't use a diaphragm or, or whatever, you know, there's always, you know, the, there's some people that just can't get past the gag reflex or, or maybe they have a physicality of their, the shape of their, their, um, their palate their in palate, their mouth. Yeah. They, they, they just can't use a diaphragm. They just don't, it's, the wrong shape or whatever and man we've had so many emails and so many messages on social and and people like thanking us that they're finally able to bugle um one guy he used to be able to call elk with a diaphragm and he got tongue cancer and he had to have his tongue removed oh man part of his tongue removed and he couldn't he couldn't use a diaphragm anymore he was so sad about it, and he used other external bugles and stuff. And he said they, they were okay, but he just it wasn't the same as as a diaphragm, of course. And he got our easy bugler this year and was able to use it and went hunting with his son. And, and it was just like the coolest story ever. And he yeah, was so was happy. Cool. And it was like it was a game changer. And in my mind, that was that 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 story and any kind of story like that. It's like man, that. That was we we solved a problem. That that's what it was all about. It was not about yeah, you know yeah. big sales numbers. It's not about you know things like that innovation. But more more importantly, it's like normal people using a product that worked and yep. and made a difference. So 
um, I was super, super pumped to hear those kind of stories this year come back. Do you uh, you want to hear my unsolicited feedback on the on the metal tube? Sure. When when you're standing at the like like top of a drainage overlooking a drainage, whether you're on a ridge or you know you're you're up top or whatever, whatever. That thing will reach out and touch someone like AT&T. I mean, it, it, that thing will it, – it lights up the drainage, and it's awesome for, like, distance uh, locating kind of thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I, I, and so I carried it for that reason. But one thing that I noticed about it is when you get in close, it was, like, too much. And, and I think it's just the user more than it is the tube itself – I didn't know how to tone it down uh, volume-wise, so if I if I got in like within 50 yards of a bull, um, that thing would like freaking knock its socks off and and it, it'd go away. The the bull would leave. And oh, I don't know if crazy. that was if that was a volume thing, or 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 what. But I I noticed like when when I switch to the Renegade, I can control the volume better for me. Um, and I think it's just because of the way I've always done it, right? And so if somebody's never really bugled and they picked up uh, uh, the, the metal tube, they could probably get a lot more proficient than I am with it. Uh, but that's what that's what my reaction was. Like for long distance, uh, locating elk, you know, that kind of thing, that metal tube was, was freaking unbeatable. It's unmatched for that. But getting in close, I would always switch to that renegade. Like if if I when I when I'd leave the truck when when I would when I would go into the woods, uh, that I, I took the renegade and and that's just I think I get I get like a comfort zone, you know, where where I don't want to switch. Uh, so anyway, that's my that's my feedback on it. Now you guys can yeah. you guys can uh, go back and laugh about it. Huntsman's giving us feedback on the bugles. <laughs> I always told you it was a blowhard. <laughs> so, um, turkey calls, man. I let's uh, turkey season's coming up. Those box calls are pretty unique, and yeah. um, you guys, you guys have some stuff going on with that. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah. So we've had turkey diaphragms for years at Phelps. Uh, last year, 2021. We did a project with Meat Eater and built um, some box calls mm-hmm. and some pot calls um, and some diaphragms for those guys. Did a it was a kind of a collab on on those calls and uh, they turned out really cool. Like the the paddle on the on the box call was made out of this stuff called Purple Heart, so it's kind of a really kind of a really pretty kind of a purplish color wood almost. Um, so this year in 2022, we're releasing, um, a Phelps line of box calls and pot calls. And, um, they're, I, I'm just going to say, it, I think ours, ours, the Phelps ones are even prettier than the, um, than the, the meat eater ones. Um, it's our, our woods more of a kind of a rich reddish brownish tone. Uh, it's got a different artwork scheme on the paddle. Sounds awesome. Um, and there, you know, if, if, if you've used box calls, you know, you don't have to be the most talented, uh, turkey caller in the world to make, to make one talk. You know what I mean? To make yeah, yeah. one, make that call work. It's, it's with a little bit of practice, very little practice. You can make, you know, you can make sounds that'll call turkeys right in for, and for whatever reason, <clears throat> I don't know if it's the pitch, the loudness or what it is, but there, there's a lot of days where I can't get it. 
a tom to answer a, a diaphragm to save my life. But you pull a box call out and you start quacking with that. Well, not quacking, but <laughs> start yelping with that thing. And man, they lose their mind. They just gobble really well and, and they also come in. So I feel like that, you know, for turkey callers, it's always cool to have that box call with, with you. Um, and I haven't used pot calls too much, you know, those little round calls. Yeah, yeah with kind of, the stick thing. Yeah, they're kind of kind of weird to kind of figure out that you have to hold the the stick right. It's almost almost like eating with chopsticks, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I've never do tried it right; one. it works great. Yeah, you do it right; it works great. You do it wrong, and you got noodles all over your face. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a special kind of way you got to hold that thing. But man, once you figure out how to hold that little striker, man, it sounds they sound super good. And they're they're another one like on windy days. Um, pot calls and box calls really cut because they're loud and they got that really sharp sound, man, they'll really cut through that wind and you get, you get more birds to answer. So, um, so I'm really, really happy with those. So that'll be, we, we kind of let the cat out of the background Christmas and get kind of a pre-sale buy them, buy them before you can buy them type of, yeah, yeah. Type of deal where you could get a limited run of those things. Um, well, are they available now though? They they are they're available now okay. for turkey season and and you check them out on the website they're really beautiful. Um, I feel like <clears throat> box calls pot calls. I mean if you take care of them they're gonna last they'll last a lifetime. They could even you could even hand them down to your grandkids or your son or whatever daughter. Um, you know later on you know because they're they're beautiful wood they're made out of that. So it is it is a it is kind of a cool. This isn't just like one of them cheap Chinese. POS ones that, that, you know, it's just a, a utility tool. I mean, these things are a tool, but they're also really nice to look at. It's kind of like a custom knife, you know, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. people hand down or whatever. So they're, they're, they're good looking calls. Um, so that, that's going to be a really big, big hit this year um, for Phelps. And then also we came out with some predator calls. <clears throat> yeah. I'm really Same excited thing. about these predator calls, man. Yeah, same thing. We did a uh, kind of a, a limited release on those around Christmas, and you may or may not got one in from from uh, the missus or your significant other, your Mister, for your for a for a Christmas gift. But uh, this comes in a three pack, and the Predator Call three pack. One of them um, does a, a raspy jackrabbit, or even like high pitched like coyote howls. Mm-hmm. And the next one. We'll do it's tuned to do to to do like a high pitched cottontail rabbit. And then the third one is really loud, so it's built for heavy timber to really big spaces, you know, way wide open country. And uh it'll produce really loud pup in distress or like rabbit distress. So you can kinda you know, the the, the way you blow and the way you put your lips on it. Uh, you can kind of manipulate and get different different sounds out of it. So I'm trying to pull it up. My internet's kind of working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was trying to pull up the turkey calls as you were talking about it, but it wasn't pulling up. So um, yeah, this is that the Predator Call three pack P O R one two three. Yeah, yeah, and it, at, at first glance you're like, oh well, those are cow elk calls because they look a lot like one of our easy estrus external elk call. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they're not. They're tuned completely different, and the cut on them and everything, the shape is like the tone board shape and the guts are are different than the elk calls are. And 
the first, the generation of these, they really look like a cow call, cow call, but I feel like um, the second gen of those are going to have a little different shape to make them a little bit easier to discern from a, from an elk call that way at first glance. You're not like, ah, it's another elk call. But, and then that but, other uh, one, that, that fawn jack closed reed, is that the one that you were previously talking about calling it a, a white or a, a black tail fawn in distress or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I killed a coyote <clears throat> with that one. Um, last spring or, or was it last fall? I, I don't remember. I, I, I've got one coyote with that one, um, which yeah. I don't think it's necessarily designed to call in yotes, but, um, it worked. No, it, yeah. Well, so there, that's just, it's got a, like a two stage, um, read inside. So uh, yeah. if you blow very, very lightly, it does that fawn in distress, mm-hmm. like black tail fawn in distress, or, I mean, it's really, you're not going to really tell the difference between a black tail fawn and a, and a mule deer fawn or a white tail fawn in distress, right? It just sounds like a Oh, coyotes know. They know. Yeah. They're, they know. Oh, oh we don't minute. have black tails yeah, around here. That's not a black tail. I ain't going in. <laughs> that's a trap. Yeah, it's predator a trap. call. I need, to, I need to pick up this predator call, that that three-pack. That's that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that fawn call, like you are talking, if you start ripping on it hard, then you get the the jackrabbit, and it just squalls yeah. and squeals like a. It's loud and obnoxious. Makes my make freaks my dog out. <laughs> <laughs> he freaks him out. He starts running around like, "What the hell's going on here?" Well, that's that's what I was doing when that that uh, coyote came in, um, yeah. and I think that's what you were using. I just I was going through some uh, videos I I took. I I found a video of you using it. Yeah. Uh, on that yeah, bear when we were bear hunting. Yeah, I yep. didn't even know I had that video, so I put it yeah. on Instagram the other day. And so yeah, there's some guys, so there's some guys that swear by that call for bear hunting. Yeah. Um, no, I heard. So yeah, somebody was talking about that, uh, exact call and that's, that's how they hunt. They don't use bait. They don't do any, they don't do spot and stock. They, they sit there and they call, uh, yeah. and, and the dude's pretty legit. He's got a lot of bears. So, um, but that's the one he used. I want to go back now that my internet's working again. I just want to hit that all Turkey calls on the website. By the way, guys, I'm on phelpsgamecalls.com. Use promo code Huntsman 10. That was a pretty good ad, wasn't it? I like that. I hit it. I hit it. Okay. Yeah. So you're, okay, there's the pot calls. Um, I don't know how to say that. Paddock, pot. It's, uh. Paddocky. Paddock. 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 Oh, I found, okay, there's the, there's the box call, the turkey call. Yeah. Okay. Sweet, man. We might, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about those ones. I'm excited. I've never used a tar- turkey call. I just or the the box call. I've always used the diaphragms, and that's that's always. Oh really? Yeah. So um, that'll be that'll be a new one for me. But I've got tons of tur- I've got now I've got myself, and I got to get my girls a turkey. They they gotta they gotta shoot a turkey this year. So I want to oh. focus on the calling and let them whack one. They're gonna love it. And you know, then you'll have to make them you'll have to make them carry it. And turkeys are big. Dude, they're I heavy. Mean, you think, oh yeah, that's a turkey. It's a bird. You know, you you pick it up. It's like, Ugh, yeah, it's twenty pounds or you know, yep. fifteen pounds, depending how how big the bird is. But they're heavy a, and they're hard, actually hard to carry. Do you have a recommendation on quartering them out? Um, I do. I use the gutless method. Good, good call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, that's awesome. A- anything else Phelps wise that you want people to know about uh, coming up? Um, I'm a, I'm. I probably shouldn't say anything, but we're working on a, a wolf call um, that's going to be super badass. You know what? Um, I, I'm going to stop you right there because you guys have been talking about that to me for a while. 
and it has yeah. yet to uh, come to fruition. <clears throat> well, all the all the parts are on order. We're just waiting for them to get built. Yeah. yeah. As as a manufacturer, are you guys having trouble getting uh, getting parts and stuff like delivered? You know, supply chain kind of issues this year. This oh yeah. Year? yeah, supply chain has been has been a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty one was was um, really brutal. You know, we, we like our metal bugle tubes, we should have saw those things months before we saw them. You know, we didn't, we weren't able to release those things until, I don't know, July. Yeah. They've been on order forever and just trying to get, to get them delivered was a, was a nightmare. I think the final, we, we cut a, a PO for an astronomical number of those things. And we finally got the last delivery a month ago. Really? Yeah. Is that, do you see that getting any better for 2022? No. No, I don't either. I, I don't think so. I, I don't I, either. You know, Not you from, know, from my day job side. Nope. <laughs> it's still going to be a bitch. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 All the materials, just, you know, whether it's latex or tape or any of the, any of the stuff, it's just long lead times. They'd promise you, you know, oh, we should be able to have it, let's say in six to eight weeks. And it's been double that. So yeah. uh, I don't, I don't see supply chain getting better this year yeah i don't either um it's going to be it's going to be an issue with construction materials i know from some inside information i got um so if you're planning on building this year um i don't know could be an issue i don't want to say too much on that one because i don't know for sure but planning wise uh you talked about you're not going back to new mexico um are you are you down with uh, coming back on the show for another school of September. Oh yeah, always. Because I, you, uh, you tend to get. Oh, there's. I'm like tinkering around on the website. I found all the gear. I got that T-shirt. <laughs> Is it okay I wear the notch and tags all September shirt, even though I didn't notch a tag last year? Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Have, I'm gonna have to get that shirt back from you, Jim. Uh, I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> I'm taking it off. Don't get excited. I'm taking it off, and I'm gonna mail it back. <laughs> you might have to use that for an undershirt for that turns doubles as toilet paper. You know, if you don't, if you don't notch a tag next year. <laughs> oh man. Okay, and I'm gonna stop playing on the website here. That. Um, what was I asking you? Oh, school of September. Yeah, yeah. dude. I, I I need to get you back on for that. We're gonna kick that back off in May. And uh, you're you're like the probably the number one hit on that series, and because one wow. thing that I really want to get out of you, I don't know. Well, you don't have to do it right now, but one thing I really want to get out of you is when I'm watching these Phelps videos, you have this. Um, nobody else can grunt like you do. The the way that you do the chuckles and the grunts, like yeah, it's. Super unique. I I did go hunting with this dude, uh, Steve, and it was actually like the opening week. They I don't know if you were hunting up North Idaho at all this year, but they opened it up a week early this year. And, oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and I got we got between him. Well, he shot one. He got a bull like day two, which was August thirtieth or thirty first. I can't remember. Anyway, we go out on the second, and the and I'm not kidding you, man. I expected nothing, and the bulls were on fire. They were on huh. fire. It was insane, and it was hot. Weird. It was dry. It was muggy, like just nasty, uh, you know, typical early September kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, the bulls were on fire. He called in like three different bulls for me that I couldn't quite get shots off on. Dang. Um But anyway, 
he had this unique little bugle that he does um, where it, it, it would almost, it was like a long single chuckle. And he had that, I call it a throwback at the end of it. Like it, he'd be, you know, and it, and it would end real suddenly like that. And it, it, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it was, it was cool sounding, but I don't know if it worked any better than any other bugle would. But the point is, is you have a way of this, making this super authentic chuckle when, when you're going nuts out there and you can hear it in the videos and nobody else can do it like, like you do. And so I really want to break that down for listeners this time when we get you on school September and, and see if there's a way that we could negotiate how you make it sound and explaining how to make that sound to listeners. Does that make sense? Jim, that's proprietary information. Um, My God, I, I looked it up. I don't see it. <laughs> I beg them old boy, are you? <laughs> that's, that's patented. It's a, it's a patented bugle. Yeah. Uh, i tell you what, whenever you find out what the Colonel's uh, 11 herbs and spices are, then, then I'll tell you how to, to chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're going to put it on that kind of level. Huh? Uh, no, herbs uh, no, and spices I, even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that good. It's like Kentucky fried chicken. It's that good. <laughs> Secret recipe. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, Kentucky fried chicken was a big deal. It was like, man, but nowadays it's, I, I don't it's know. really gone downhill. You know where they've gone yeah. downhill is their mashed potatoes. I don't know what the hell they're using these days, but it's unacceptable. They're probably grown in China or somewhere. They probably knows? are. Yep. Chinese yep. potatoes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Can't grow mashed potatoes like we're Idahoans. You can't fool us, especially you. I know. You're down in potato country now, aren't you? Right, right. It's, it's funny. Idaho, like North Idaho, I'll be damned if you'll find any Idaho potatoes in, in North Idaho. I know. They, they all come them, from Washington. They send them every, yeah, they send them everywhere else. But, yep. but by God, if you want an Idaho potato, I, I don't know. I haven't been eating potatoes lately for the last, I don't know, oh, very much. So I don't even yeah. know what kind of potatoes you can buy in South Idaho. Hopefully you can buy some locally grown stuff. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. All I know is, you know, this whole KFC thing, um, it's a big deal when, like, my family, living where we live, out all remote like this, if we have an opportunity yeah. to, like, pick up dinner somewhere, mm-hmm. it, KFC is not somewhere you want to eat if you want to be healthy and get into the backcountry and, and not be sore for 20 years, you know, like we were talking yeah. earlier. But, yeah. I mean, it's not going to kill you every once in a while, so don't anybody lose their shit over what I'm talking about. But you pick it up, those mashed potatoes just suck anymore. They taste like air, like Chinese yeah. air, not even American yeah. air. Yeah, so, yeah, like polluted or something. Polluted. And, the, and, the, and the gravy, not good. I yeah. mean, I haven't had KFC in, I don't remember, years. But the last time I had it wasn't good. The chicken was, wasn't that great. Uh, but I remember at one time it used to be really, really good. That's, yeah. And I feel... I feel like that's kind of like food in America these days. A lot of fast food is just—it's just crap. Not, not good for you. Not as good as it used to be. I feel like that's why everybody's like—they get cancer and stuff from all this. All just what's in the food, you know. But yeah. I, like back in the day, remember when we were kids? Like you could, my grandma and grandpa, when we'd go when we'd go uh, camping or something, the first night out, we'd stop before leaving town and grab a big thing of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they'd throw it in the camper, and we'd drive out to our spot and set up camp, and that's what we'd have for dinner. And it was like freaking yeah. Thanksgiving back then. Yeah, it was you amazing. Know, it was amazing. It was awesome. But nowadays, yeah, it's just just shitty. Yeah. How do we get on that topic? Um, you were trying to squeeze out of my 
me my proprietary that's recipe right. my, for my that's right. my my wicked ass <laughs> bugles and or grunts and chuckles. Grunts and chuckles, man. You do. You do. I don't I don't want your head expanding, but you do have probably the best <laughs> chuckles and grunts I've ever heard. Uh, anybody and that and it's it's interesting how it translates on like your phone watching a YouTube video. Um, so I, I, I can only imagine what it sounds like in person because it changes when you're watching it on TV, right? And, or on your phone, especially because it, right. like my speakers aren't that great. Uh, so I, I just, just think about it. You know, we got a few months, just think about, you know, if you're willing to share that kind of information, think of the benefits and the reduction in the amount of Doug Fluties that that could potentially save us from <laughs> if we go through that. It's my damn civic duty. The way if you put it like it that, I mean, I, I have to do it. I mean, <laughs> I'd be a jerk if I didn't. <laughs> yeah, this last September, uh, it could have provided hours and hours of Doug Flutie content um, just by recording it. So, well, hey, buddy. So, hey, oh, go hey, ahead. Before before we go, Doug Flutie content. So, my buddy John uh, Gabriel, he said, "Hey, I got an idea for a, a hunting series next year." He's like, "Why don't you do one?" And then just call it flutied and where you go drive around uh, popular hunting areas and you see a pickup park alongside the road, you know, they're out chasing elk. He's like, you get out, park right next to him and go and go hunt him up and go find that guy, call him in and then make sure you're dressed like Doug Flutie. And when they walk, when they come in, you jump out and, and say a bunch of funny shit like you've been flutied, like, you know, video the whole thing. <laughs> What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> Sir, you've just uh, been fluted. What are you going to do next? <laughs> I think I might get shot, though. I'm, af- I'm afraid. I'm That's afraid. what first popped into my mind. I'd be a little worried about getting my butt kicked or something. And, uh, man, Gabriel, that dude had a great season, man. I need oh, to get I him know. on again. He had a freaking yeah. crazy season. Yeah. yeah, he crushed it this year. Right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, it sucks because that that poor little guy. I mean, he's like gotten so close so many times on different big bulls or big bucks. He's all, he's been killing consistently killing some monster whitetails for quite a while. But oh yeah, like big bulls and stuff. And you know, he always seemed to get it done on on a bull. But um, man, he finally got just a dandy that this year. Man, I'm so happy for him. Died right on the side of that river. Oh, oh beautiful! God, what a freaking picture that was. Yeah. 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 They filmed that hunt. So Loophole oh, really? uh, sent a, a, a videographer with him. So uh, at some point, some sometime, I, I would imagine probably midsummer, maybe not, but uh, Loophole will, will release that film. And so it should be killer. Oh, yeah. That'll be, that'll be pretty cool. That'll be way cool. I'd, I'd love to see that one. Gabriel, uh, I always, I, I just always look up to, to Gabriel, man. Um, super creative dude. He's uh, just, and, and as short as he is, I mean that speaks volumes. I have to sit down. I have to sit down, but I look up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Gabriel, if you're listening, I I got all the short jokes because my wife is only four foot ten. So, um, holy cow! I've 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 had a I've had years over a decade of coming up with short jokes (laughs) because she doesn't think the regular ones are funny anymore. Yeah. She just thinks they're (laughs) rude. That's just rude anymore. So. Now that's uh, that's 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 awesome. I, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him up and get him back on the show. Actually, I need to talk to him about something else. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah. okay. I got you. I got you committed to a school of September episode, 
and uh, I think I think we're good. We're gonna do. We're gonna come up with some way to do a cool turkey call giveaway, right? Absolutely. You better. Heck, heck yeah. I think yeah. you know you were talking about that. Uh, the what about predator calls too? Okay, um, we could we could do that. I think that yeah. I think I need that predator call pack so that I could verify that they're valuable they're enough worthy. for my <laughs> listeners to be giving them away for free. I could it's probably do deal. that. It's a big deal. I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> if you know a guy, we'll talk. Um, no, that's I, – I think uh, I, we can get creative. And, and actually, you reminded me. I actually still have one of the metal tubes, the the easy the easy bugler – or what? I'm drawing a blank. The, you know – The flared mouthpiece. The flared, mouth the flared mouth, yeah, with, with the actual yeah. mouthpiece in it. I've got one of those buried in this box in, in my studio here. Oh, the uh, or the it's the Easy Bugler. It's the one with the little blue reed on it. I think so. I think so. Okay. I gotta pull it back out. So I'm gonna do a giveaway on that too, because I've still got that one. I thought I forgot about that one. Oh yeah, definitely. And then we'll do a turkey giveaway and a predator giveaway after I get my my uh, my sample order of predator calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right, yeah, brother. We'll load you up. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. Uh, good talk. Um, we kind of, you know. This is what I was looking for, just just having some lighthearted conversation. Uh, even if we do bring up Doug Flutie every once in a while, it's always a good time, and uh, look, we're going to do it again. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, man. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.